Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Every week, Josh will teach you ways to help manage, risk, and protect your retirement income in the new economy. The primary focus at Aptus Wealth is to provide flexible planning strategies that can efficiently achieve your long-term retirement goals. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Hope you are having a great weekend. You can also hear Josh every Monday, 6 p.m. for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. He joins Bruce Hooley. And you can always listen on your own time as well. You can find that interview on Josh's website at aptuswealth.com. Josh, let's start off the show. We talked about the newly passed American Rescue Plan briefly last week. Other than the headline-grabbing $1,400 stimulus checks, how does this impact retirees now and in the future? You know, Diane, I'm really glad you asked this question. Uh, Earlier in the week, I I had a similar question asked to me by Bruce Hooley, and and just due to the confines of the show, I didn't have enough time to really answer it fully. But um, ultimately, there's two ways that the government can stimulate the economy. And I say government loosely because one of the ways is through the Fed. And the Fed can inject money into the economy, but typically that money injected into the economy is done in two ways, uh, through low interest rates and through uh, essentially injecting money, just like I said. So what that typically does is raise prices of, let's say, shares in the stock market. And I'm going to get a little deep in the weeds here, but think of it this way. Uh, Growth stocks get valuations based upon uh, a present value calculation. So essentially what they're doing is they're discounting what they think that this growth stock will be at some future time and then equating it to what the shares are worth today. Well, that's what happens when the Fed injects money in the economy, typically. However, what we're seeing now with these stimulus checks is uh, money getting injected into what we could call really the real economy. It's going right into people's hands. And, And typically when that happens, Diane, what ends up occurring is the prices of things like gold and commodities go up because we are in fact creating some inherent inflation. So I think for retirees, you know, inflation is a potential issue, but that will also drive up commodity and, and gold prices potentially. And then also uh, it could have a huge impact in the transition of growth stocks to value. So growth stocks, meaning stocks that don't pay dividends, uh, have really led the charge for about the last decade. However, Um, when we start doing these stimulus programs, it's very reasonable to assume that there will be a transition where value stocks, uh, stocks like, you know, the Johnson and Johnson's of the world, the Coca-Cola's of the world that pay dividends will start doing better because those are, uh, companies that are more impacted by what we could determine as kind of the real economy. Um, so to answer your question, as we look forward and what do I think is going to be the impact on retirees in the future? Well, I think a lot of things, but I think we're going to have to start shifting and transitioning how we're trying to plan for retirement in the way of earning money. I think dividends will become increasingly important as interest rates remain low uh, because, you know, fixed income type products really aren't generating anything. And there's a lot of risk in the bond market, arguably right now. So dividends will become increasingly important. Inflation will be something that we have to contest with potentially, uh, which could drive up commodity and, you know, the prices of goods and services. So we'll have to take that into account. So I think there's some things that are changing. More immediately, 
maybe some other things we can talk about is as a result of the stimulus package, certainly did put a Band-Aid on a lot of problems. Um, so we're t- I was just got done talking kind of about long-term stuff. But in the short run, part of that stimulus plan uh, went to things like pensions, you know, shoring up some pensions and businesses that were really about to kind of have some serious problems. So if you're one of the people that were uh, subject to uh, a state or, you know, union type pension, you may have been quote unquote rescued by some of these stimulus packages. But again, focusing more on the clients that I see in the long run, we have to accommodate something uh, or we have to come up with a plan that will accommodate future rises in prices and inflation and potentially reposition ourselves a little bit further away from growth into value. And Diane, I always try and avoid, you know, it's first question of the day and here I go, I get really deep in the weeds and I start talking about things like discount rates off of future stock prices and, you know, the shift from growth to value and all these kind of heavy topics. But I think it's important to note that with any financial plan and what we're trying to achieve by this entire show is try and give folks an understanding of what's going on, but also how to solve problems and how to develop a sound plan. And what we're really talking about there is there are always new challenges facing retirees. The economy is uh, always the same yet different. And the impact of a plan is always important, but I think it'll become even more important uh, moving forward because we have some challenges that really for the last 30 or 40 years, we haven't had to deal with. If you think about the last, for the last 30 or 40 years, interest rates have been relatively steady or declined, which has been a bull run for the, for the bond market. So you had a very easy place to put safe money, just, you know, 60, 40, put 60% in stocks, 40% in bonds, added a tremendous amount of stability, but bonds weren't the anchor behind the boat because they were doing very, very well. Now we're in this, and inflation was really low throughout that entire time period, except for really the eighties. So if we look at the last 25 years, for example, inflation was, you know, 2% roughly. You know, moving forward, that could be significantly higher in the cost of real goods and services, like going to the grocery store or buying a car. So we have potential increase inflation, and we also are trying to add some stability to our portfolio. And bond prices uh, could be really at risk because as interest rates go up, bonds go down. So I think a plan moving forward is critically important. You can't just do what you used to do and hope that, uh, in hopes that it'll repeat itself, because there's a very good chance that history will not repeat itself uh, over the next 25 years if you're looking purely at the last 25 years. Is there anything in what was passed that you don't agree with, things that were tacked on that you feel are going to be really detrimental? Well, you know, I think it's in question to say whether I, you know, do I agree with it or don't agree with it. Uh, We all have opinions, right, Diane? And and, uh, I certainly don't want to challenge other people's opinions of the law or opinion of the stimulus package, whether it was right or wrong. But if you do the math, there's roughly $2 trillion that the U.S. government spent. Of that $2 trillion, some people got $1,400. If you do the math, that means that every man, woman, and child in the United States uh, was essentially charged approximately six to $7,000 for the stimulus plan, and yet only some people are getting $1,400. So it's very clear to see that there was a lot of money that was uh, in this bill that went to places other than individuals. It went to businesses, et cetera. Now, we could go line by line and argue whether or not that was justified or unjustified. I would say there was definitely quite a bit of fat in it. Um, You know, pork barrel comes to mind. But that said, um, I'm more concerned with what the outcome of it's going to be. And again, that gets back to inflation, increase in prices, uh, maybe a transition to value, et cetera. I can't run the government nor change what has been done. I only have a vote, just like everybody listening. But what I can do is plan for the future. And 
That's the best we got right now. So we can help our clients do just that. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, you can call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Josh, when people come to you with existing retirement plans, what area do you most often feel needs to be revamped? Yeah, well, I'll cover kind of what I, I have seen in the past and then what I'm starting to see here as of late. Um, in the past, you know, allocation changes, you know, people oftentimes kept their allocation the same from the time they enrolled in the pro in their 401k, for example, till today. So they enrolled in their 401k when they were 30, now they're 60, and they really haven't changed much. Obviously, that's, that's an issue we have to pay attention to. Um, some people don't even know how much they're contributing or whether or not they, and I'm speaking specifically right now, 401ks, whether or not their 401k is a match. I mean, there's a lot of just kind of... Uh, unknowns, and, and that needs to be addressed right out of the gate. But then moving forward uh, to today, I'm seeing a lot of people being incredibly overweighted in stocks on purpose. And that on purpose is because uh, in times of great market performance, uh, we oftentimes believe that that will never come to an end. It's very interesting, Diane. In 2009, when the market was at you know a historic drop uh, from the financial and, and housing crisis, uh, or the Great Recession, we call it, when it was at the bottom, it was incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to convince people to put any money in the stock market. And the conversations I oftentimes had with people was, you know, well, it's going to keep going down. I don't think the market's ever going to come back. There was really no good to speak of, and there was no end in sight in the majority of the people's mouths that I talked to. That said, flip to today, and the market is at all-time highs. It's done nothing but go up. Uh, you know, if you look at the S&P 500 over the last 12 months, I mean, the returns are crazy, 60%. And you can't convince people that they may want to pull some back to stabilize their portfolio. They can't get money quick enough into it, which is obviously flawed logic. We all know the adage, buy low, sell high. So it's very difficult to convince people right now uh, of what they really should be doing. Ultimately, uh, you asked me what I encounter the most, and that is... People who are focused most on pretty graphs, allocation models, et cetera, rather than focusing on how is this actually going to work for me, meaning it's not all about rates of return. It's not all about uh, how, much, how many shares of Amazon do I have. It's not all about how many shares of Apple do I have. It's, it's not about beta ratios and all these crazy things. What it's about is how much am I saving? How much can I predictably count on in having at the end of my working career in a pot of money? And then how am I going to logically distribute that back to myself in the form of an income every month so that I can comfortably remain retired, adjusting for inflation for the rest of my life? And when times get rough, that conversation seems to be the one that we have. When times get good, the conversation kind of delineates and it goes off on a tangent where I think I could be really rich if this continues. And the reality is, while it could continue for longer, I don't debate that, it will not continue indefinitely. We can only stray so far from GDP. We can only stray so far from how well the overall economy is doing. So as of late, Diane, it's been trying to bring people back to reality, bringing them back to planning, bringing them back to generating an income plan so that they know when they retire they'll be okay, rather than focusing on, hey, did you know I owned Chipotle stock last year and it was up 50% or whatever the number is. 
getting back to the basics is the thing that I see the most that we need to be doing. And going through the pandemic, I'm sure the fact of saving more has just been people completely understand that now. Yeah, and I think, you know, one would think, Diane, but during the pandemic, when I was having conversations in uh, March, April, and the market had pulled back 35.5%, it was the steepest drop in the history of the stock market in that period of time. I had clients calling me in a complete and utter panic. How, how much did I lose? What, what's going on? And the reality was we fared through that pan- pandemic very, very well uh, as a whole for, you know, the bulk of our clients, depending upon how they were invested or, you know, their age, et cetera. So we fared tremendously well through diversification and having fixed income asset classes, et cetera. Now, fast forward, they wanted to get out of the market tremendously back then. Fast forward, and now the market's at, a, at an all-time high, maybe one of the worst times to invest compared to the bottom, and uh, they want to put more in. So it's, we're very short, and this, we're all subject to this, right? We're very emotional people. It's hard sometimes to rein in those emotions, but that's part of my job. So right now I'm having a lot of conversations about Let's get back to reality. This has been a very good time. We've reaped the rewards from it. I'm not saying let's get completely off of, off the base and, and pull all of our money out of the market. But at the same time, let's make sure we're still in accordance with the plan because we might be incredibly overweighted in stocks right now. And we need to adjust that. Josh's number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. You're listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. More when we come back. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. We hear all the time that delaying is the very best way to maximize Social Security, Josh. What are some circumstances where it might be a good idea to actually take it earlier? There's quite a few of them. The easiest one or the most logical one would say would be if you didn't think you had a very long life expectancy. I mean, if you're, you know, we know that you can collect Social Security for the most part at age 62. If you're a widow or widower, you can go all the way down to 60 at a discounted rate. Uh, in the maximum age is age 70. And we constantly hear that the longer you wait, the better it is because the more money you'll receive per month. And sure, that's true. But if nobody in your family's ever lived past the age of 63 and you're in poor health, why would you want to wait till age 70? You might as well start collecting sooner rather than later, right? Um, so that's a very obvious answer. The other one would be cash flow. Um, and we've seen this a lot, of, uh, a lot from the pandemic. You know, there's, there's definitely a, a, a tremendous amount of people that have been furloughed or, or displaced from their job uh, as a result of the pandemic. And, and some of those folks are, you know, 63, 64, 65 years old. They may not have had the intention of retiring then, but they also cannot find gainful employment. So they might be forced into an early retirement that they weren't expecting. And while it may make a lot of sense to wait, they might not have the financial resources to do so. So it might just be a pure cash flow issue where you absolutely have to take the money early. 
other reasons would be, you know, as a result of the pandemic, you just decided that you want to take a temporary retirement and you want to travel or whatever it might be. There's a lot of reasons from a cash flow perspective that you may want to take your Social Security early. And there's also reasons why you might want to take it late. But the important part is not to take it arbitrarily because you just heard from someone that it made most sense to take it at XYZ age. You should do the math in your own situation. We're all unique, all different, and make sure that 62 makes the most sense for you or 66 or 67 or whatever that age is. What is, it's a huge difference though from 62 to 66. It is, it's a tremendous difference. It's, if your full retirement age is 66, the difference between 62 and 66 is 25%, meaning you'll only get 75% of your 66 number at 62. And then the difference from 66 to 70 is an additional 32%. So if you kind of add those together, what's that work out to? 57% difference between the ages of 62 and 66. And then if you consider also inflation adjustments on top of that, so you start off with this dramatically larger number and then you're getting inflation adjustments on a dramatically larger number, it can make a gigantic difference over the long run. But there is an intersection point. And that intersection point is, if I start taking my social security at 62 versus 66, I've been receiving payments for four years that I'm not receiving if I'm 66, right? And then if I'm 66, it's a bigger number, but where does the total amount collected kind of cross over? Meaning if it's a thousand bucks a month at 62 to 66, I've given up $48,000. How long does it take for me to make up that ground? And that number isn't until the early eighties typically. So if you plan on I hate to speak this candidly about it, but if you plan on dying before the age of 82, 83, you should take it earlier if you're just trying to focus in total dollars collected. If you have a family with an incredibly long life expectancy, like my wife's family, for example, they just live forever, then you should probably wait if you can. But again, sometimes the choice is unfortunately made for you, and that's why sometimes it makes more sense to take it sooner rather than later. So should people look at their parents and, and their life expectancy and their and their heritage and their relatives yeah, to gauge it? I mean, I think, you know, it's it's a it's obviously a, a crapshoot. None of us know what our expiration date is, and I don't know that I want to know even if I could, but uh, we should take into account what our life expectancy looks like in our family. I mean, it, literally, if everybody in your family dies of a heart attack by the time they're 62, then wh why wait? If you're unhealthy and you know that, you've had all sorts of problems, why wait? But at the same time, we don't want to say, ah, there's a pretty good chance we're not going to live that long and then, you know, be broke and un uh, unable to take care of ourselves if we live past 80. That's a terrible time to be broke. So you kind of got to do the math both ways. And, and when we do plans here in the office, we do several calculations to kind of, you know, create litmus tests to see what makes the most sense for that particular person. What are the pros and cons to collecting at different ages? And then ultimately, it's that knowledge that gives you the power to make the right decision for you. We don't know what the right answer is, but we do know what the potential choices are, and we know what the information is that would go into making those decisions. And oftentimes, Diane, people just don't even know what the information is to make the accurate decision. So they're just shooting from the hip, which in my world is a terrible way to make a decision. Absolutely. And if people are want the money and taking it early to be able to travel, are they kind of cutting it close anyways if they need that money to travel, the Social Security income? Potentially, uh, potentially, you know, it depends again on your cash flow situation, but I think it is important to note because particularly in light of the pandemic, 
if you do in fact collect your social security at age 62, one of the things you have to take into account is there's an income test. So what happens sometimes is we take social security at 62 because we had to, we didn't think we we're going to find another job. And then we do in fact find another job, but we're not full retirement age yet. So there's an income amount that we can make before our social security starts to become reduced. And that's a big concern because once you make over about 19,000 bucks, every $2 you make over that number, they take a dollar of your social security back until your full retirement age. So, you know, oftentimes people will hold back on taking social security because they don't want to put themselves in that situation if in fact they find a job. Well, know that if you go when you find a job, you can call the social security administration and say, wait, time out. I'm under the full retirement age. I got another job. I know I'm going to be over the income threshold. I want to push the pause button on my social security. And effectively what they'll do, Diane, is they'll say, okay, well, you've received three months benefits. We can't take those back. We're not going to take those back away from you. But what we will do is push the pause button from here moving forward, giving you credits again. So you start to build up that higher Social Security rate until you decide you actually want to take it. So don't use uh, the fact that you're out of work and you, you're trying to find a job uh, as a reason to preclude you from you know, taking Social Security and being worried that if you get that job, it's going to hurt you forever. There are ways around that. So, you know, get the income if you need it. To schedule your own planning session and learn new strategies to manage risk, call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Still keeping with Social Security, Josh, what do you find are the most misunderstood uh, aspects of it. Well, I think we just talked about one, and that was taxation. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, not taxation, um, income limits. Um, oftentimes, people will come to my office and say, you know, I, I hated my job. They were working the heck out of me. I was only 62, but I figured out that if I quit my job as an engineer or whatever it was, um, and I was making $100,000 a year, I could quit, collect Social Security, and do some uh, outside work, some consulting work. And between the two of them, it works out to the same amount of money I was, I was making before, and I'm working part-time. And I know that affects my Social Security in the long run, but it'll all work out. I'm good. And unfortunately, uh, again, once you make over approximately $19,000, every $2 you make beyond that, your Social Security gets reduced by $1. And unfortunately, Diane, the Social Security Administration finds that out by your tax return. So if you started your Social Security at age 62 in January... They might not find out until April the following year. And then you get this horrendous love letter in the mail that says, uh, no big deal. You just owe us all the money that we paid you, potentially, which is a terrible, terrible position to be in. So number one thing is make sure if you're thinking about retiring early or going part-time early or just collecting your Social Security early and still having income, uh, make sure you're well aware of that income threshold because it's a terrible position to be in. The other one, and I kind of put the cart before the horse there, is taxation's a big one. Social Security is taxed unlike any other income you'll ever receive in your life. Um, it is actually taxed based upon your outside income. And I don't mean the rate is affected based upon your outside income. I mean the amount that you actually pay taxes on is, is uh, based on your outside income. So let me give an example. If you're living purely off of Social Security, you pay no federal income taxes whatsoever on your Social Security. The end. Zero. So if your Social Security is $2,000 a month, you get $2,000 a month and you pay no taxes. Now let's change things up and say you have a pension that's $40,000 a year. You're a single person. Once you're a single person and your total income exceeds $32,000 a year, up to 85% of your Social Security is taxable. Now what is considered outside income? 
well, ironically, half of your social security has gone into the outside income category, plus all of your income uh, outside, including non-taxable interest. So if you think you're going to avoid it by putting money in you know, municipal bonds or something like that, that gets thrown back into the puzzle. So the big one is whether or not Social Security, I hear this all the time, Social Security isn't taxable, right? Because that's a return of my tax dollars. And the answer is, unfortunately, and it makes me sound like I'm trying to dodge the question, maybe. And I'm not dodging the question, but it may be taxable depending upon the other stuff that's in your situation. So the goal is, how do I live the way I want to live, but pay as little taxes as I possibly can? And there are things that we can do, potentially, to reduce your exposure to taxation on your Social Security. We always take that into account in our plan. And I have a very significant amount of clients that are paying no to you know, 10 12% tax rates, uh, even though they're living on more money than you would assume to get in that tax rate. Uh, and then I would say, you know, let's stick to the rule of threes here. The other one that I hear a lot is spousal benefits. People don't understand the way that spousal benefits work. Uh, but ultimately, you're entitled to the greater of your benefit or half of your spouse's. So if you never paid into Social Security, but your spouse did, you are still entitled to Social Security benefits through a spousal benefit of at least 50% of your spouse's, depending on age. There's some calculations that go in there. And then furthermore, if your spouse passes away, while you don't get his or her benefit plus your half that you're receiving, you do get 100% of their benefits. So at death, you're entitled to 100% of your benefit or 100% of your spouse's, whichever was greater. Those are kind of the three that I hear most often that people are unaware of and find difficult uh, to track down online. So all, uh, let's say your benefit's greater, so you get to keep yours. If you, so Correct. your spouse's is just gone. It goes back into the government yeah, let's say, for example, let's say that, you know, you and I just got married, Diane, and your spouse is $2,500 a month and mine's $1,500. you are going to get $2,500. I'm going to get $1,500 because $1,500 is greater than twelve five, right? Mm-hmm. But if I didn't, if I wasn't uh, justified in getting my own benefit at all, between the two of us, we would get thirty seven five because I would get half of yours plus you would get all of yours for a total of 150% of your benefit to both of us. However... If you then passed away, I wouldn't get thirty-seven five. I would get twenty-five hundred, which is a hundred percent of your benefit. But then, if I pass away, you still get twenty-five hundred, but you lose the twelve five. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Doesn't mean I like it, but <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not alone, but uh, that is unfortunately the way that it works. The other thing on spousal benefits that oftentimes comes up is that fifty percent spousal benefit cannot exceed the amount at full retirement. So let me give an example. Again, let's use the same one. So yours is 2,500. If you wait until you're age 70, you get 32% more than that 2,500, right? But my benefit will still be 1,250. I can't exceed half of your full retirement benefit. So that goes into the equation. How long do you wait to claim and what, what's the math involved there? And I, again, the takeaway is if your eyes are rolling right now or your head is spinning while you're listening to this, Uh, Thank God for computers and thank God for programming, our our software programs. We'll be able to easily determine what the right solution is for you. Yeah. And all I can think is I've got to call you after the show. And for those listening that think you've got to call Josh after the show, his number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. More of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick when we come back. We'll be back with more at the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick at 98.9 The Answer.
To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. I'm Diane Brennan. Josh, you've talked before about removing emotion from investing. Can you talk a little bit about uh, that and some stories to give examples how dramatically this can have a negative impact. Yeah, and I think we're really, uh, you know, kind of currently in the perfect storm for emotional investing. Um, and, and that is, it's been going so well for so long. You know, we are in the longest bull run in the history of the stock market. That means that if you graduated college in 2010, You have never seen a downturn in the market, and you've been investing for almost 11 full years now. That I know that sounds awesome, but that's also horrendously dangerous in that you've never experienced uh, catastrophic loss. You've never experienced uh, the dot-com bubble, the housing crisis, Black Monday, Great Depression. You know, the list just goes on and on and on. And these are important lessons. They're lessons that the economy ebbs and flows, and there is a slinky effect to this. There is not just steady growth forever. There is always contractions. Um, That does not mean that being invested in the stock market is a bad place to be. But what it does mean is it lends to a euphoric attitude and a more aggressive attitude than maybe is justified. It steers us away from logic and time-tested ways of investing towards uh, how can I become a bazillionaire overnight. And, you know, I think uh, the most recent example of that would be GameStop. And if you're listening to this right now and you don't know the GameStop phenomenon, I highly encourage you to look up GameStop stock. It's uh, GME, I believe, is the ticker. And you can just look at it over the last three months. In the last three months, uh, that graph looks like a roller coaster ride that would make you want to throw up instantly. Um, It has gone sky high to a point where GameStop was at a greater valuation than Delta Airlines at one point. And it achieved that in a matter of weeks to plummeting again to now it's climbing back up again. And in that transition, what ends up happening, Diane, is you'll have people that, there are always some people that that strike it rich, but there are also people that get in late and it plummets. Um, And people end up getting hurt when they try and do this day trading. Uh, You know, you and I, Diane, have been around long enough to remember the dot-com bubble and Black Monday and all these other things. I'll stop there so we don't date ourselves too much. But you hear these stories of, you know, stockbrokers jumping out of windows as a result of it, people who've been investing only for the last 10 or 11 years have no idea what we're talking about. That's a perfect recipe for disaster. There have been plenty of times where it has gone sideways. Another example I can think of is during the dot-com bubble, um, I had s- several friends, colleagues that were trading uh, options because options essentially means you can buy a lot more of the stock for a lot less money. It's not exactly that, but just for today's uh, conversation, let's say that if you wanted to reap the benefit of $100,000 worth of stock, it might only cost you 10000 The unfortunate part 
is depending upon how you play that game, you could lose 100% of your 10,000 or potentially even more. And people were doing that during the late 90s, left and right, and making a tremendous amount of money. I very vividly remember a friend of mine had $250,000. He was all the way up to $2.7 million in a matter of a couple of years. Wow, he just got and better looking. Just yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, and he said to me, he said, as soon as this thing hits $3 million, I'm done. And then 2000, late 2000 hit. And the problem is when you're invested in options, you can't get out. And he watched his number plummet from $2.7 million all the way back down to a little less than what he started with at 250000 Now, that has a lot of effects. One, it took him a long time to get over that, uh, which means he sacrificed market gains for a number of years after that. Uh, number two, there would have been market gains with a logical investment strategy during that time. So he sacrificed the gains that he otherwise, otherwise would have received. So he put himself behind the eight ball trying to chase this euphoric dream of being rich overnight. And I think we're, we're really not even knee deep, but hip deep in that right now. And I'm hearing so many people all over the place go, oh, you know, I bought this at this and now it's this. And uh, that's great. And I wish everybody well. There's nothing that makes me happier than everybody succeeding and living better lives. But at the same time, you are rolling the dice at the craps table. It's time to bring it down to reality and use time-tested strategies to get to the goals that you want to get to. Doesn't mean you can't do it with a little bit of money, but I'm hearing a lot of people doing it with a lot of their net worth. And that's a, it's a dangerous game to play. And I'm hearing a ton about Bitcoin. I have a friend that texts me every day about how much he's made on Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, it, Bitcoin, you know, AMC Theaters is up uh, big time here as of late. You know, you can go through the list of things that have gone up because what happened during, uh, and I'll use, you know, Bitcoin as an example. Uh, Bitcoin is being used large in part be because people believe it's a hedge against inflation because there's a limited supply, et cetera, et cetera. I don't disagree with that. Um, I don't know how, how high Bitcoin can go. I'm not suggesting that you don't put any money in Bitcoin, but I start hearing people say, I've been putting, you know, my entire IRA in or my entire savings amount in Bitcoin. It's a very, very risky pros proposition. Uh, I highly recommend when it comes to ancillary things like, uh, you know, you want to invest in, in Bitcoin or this new strategy here. Or you want to kind of start to take some aggressive positions beyond the norm predictable stuff. You know, keep it to five or 10 percent. But don't start going crazy and putting all your money in GameStop and all your money in Bitcoin. You might win, but you might lose big. And again, look at the chart for Bitcoin. It's really, really high, but just type in three-year chart and see what that looks like. You can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Let's talk about four savings plans for retirement, Josh. What, what are the pros and cons of that? Well, for those of you who don't know, four savings plan just means that the government literally forces you to save. An example would be a government or entity. So it could be your company. You know, you could, pensions are a form of four savings, meaning if you work for a company that has a pension, you don't necessarily save anything to it. Uh, maybe they force you to save money into it, like PRS here in Ohio. You know, a certain amount is taken out of your check and matched, but you then have a pension in retirement. Social Security would be a perfect example of a, of a forced savings plan. And there has been some debate over the years, uh, many times over whether or not companies should all have forced savings plans, whether the government should expand its forced saving plan, because the reality is participation in 401ks isn't very high. And it wasn't that long ago, Diane, if you go back, you know, 20, 25 years ago, uh, the vast majority of people in the United States had forced savings plans. They had pensions. So 
if they weren't diligent and disciplined about their own savings, when retirement came, they had uh, many times Social Security plus a pension, which was enough to get by. However, fast forward to today, and less than 10% of the people in the United States have a pension or a forced savings plan. So there's been some debate, should we increase that? And I don't know the answer to that. Obviously, that's an individual decision. Um, I think, you know, in general, most people would say they don't like to be forced into doing anything. But at the same time, uh, you know, if you're not doing it on your own, sometimes you need to have a pretty significant nudge. So one of the options that's being widely discussed is an opt-out program. Meaning, if your company has a 401k plan, uh, which if it doesn't, we're gonna, the government is going to make it very, very easy uh, to have a 401k program available to them, you will be opted into that plan at some percentage of your salary automatically, and you will have to go in and physically opt out. Interestingly, as much as we hate being forced to do things, when you call it opting in, or uh, you have to opt out, you're already opted in, about the research shows that about 90% of the people that are already in plans like that stay in the plan. They don't opt out. So it's not necessarily forced, but it's automatic. And then you have to go above and beyond to get yourself back out. I'm not opposed to that opting strategy at all. If you don't want to do it, get out. But we'll automatically uh, you know, kind of bump you in. And the reason I like that is because I don't know, I'm sure you were you know, on top of things when you were 22 and fresh out of college or 18 and fresh out of high school and you knew I better start making the appropriate decisions for my financial future. But I, on the other hand, uh, even though I, I've always done finance, when I came out of college, uh, I was more concerned about, you know, getting a cool apartment, you know, all the things that go along with being, you know, 22. If my company would have automatically opted me in, I probably would not have opted out. Now, fortunately, I did save, but uh, I was probably more of the anomaly than the norm. So having that, I think, will help us uh, down the line. Let's go through the Aptus blueprint process, Josh. When someone calls you and uh, gets introduced to you, walk us through the system that you use to kind of evaluate people's portfolios. Yeah, we do a four-step process. Step number one is what we call discovery. So we want to find out everything about you. Did you stay opted into your 401k? How much have you saved? How much are you continuing to save? Uh, what other assets, resources, maybe potential inheritances, et cetera, will you have coming your way? And what does retirement look like for you? Because obviously that's a very unique answer. We'll ask some questions you probably haven't thought of, and then we will come back to you in meeting number two, which we call the analysis, and show you if you continue doing what you're doing, this is what retirement looks like for you. Is your arrow going to hit the target? Yes or no. And then through that process, uh, hopefully you're perfectly on track, but we will probably uncover some scenarios where you may be able to improve your situation. All the way down to, like we talked about earlier, how can you, what's the most efficient way for you to collect Social Security? How about your pensions, et cetera, et cetera. And then in meeting three, we call it the blueprint meeting. We will show you the most efficient way to fill those gaps. And then not until meeting four, which we call implementation, will we decide, is this a mutually beneficial relationship? Will we work well together? It's obviously going to be a really long-term relationship because we'll be with you through retirement. Uh, and then at that point, we'll decide whether or not we want to move forward. All I can guarantee is by the end of the process, you'll know a heck of a lot more than when you went in, and you'll be more comfortable with your retirement situation than you are today. And you also offer webinars for people that are listening that want a little bit more information about the topics we cover. Let's talk about that. Yeah, not only webinars, but uh, as the country starts to open back up, I'm, I'm pretty excited, actually, to, to say that we're doing our first uh, in-person seminar in uh, probably about a year, maybe a little over a year. It's either next week or the 
next week, I believe. So we are getting back to doing that. Uh, if you're interested in either our webinar session, which is just an informational session where we go over things like social security, taxation, uh, proper asset diversification, how what's the most efficient way to generate income, et cetera. Um, or you want to go to one of our in-person seminars, I highly recommend you reach out to our office. We'll get you set up, tell you the best place uh, how to log in or how to get there and all that fun stuff. And you're having the we- you're having the in-person seminar in a week because we I think I got confused. That we you... are, yeah, I believe. In full disclosure, uh, Diane, obviously my assistants run my calendar, but I'm pretty positive it's in a week. <laughs> so if you're interested in that, please reach out immediately and we'll see if we still have some space available. And I'll give everyone Josh's number. It is 614-364-7300. That is 614-364-7300. The website is aptiswealth.com. And also just want to remind you that you can join Josh as he talks retirement with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. for Money Mondays on 98.9 The Answer. The recording is at aptuswealth.com. More with Josh Pick when we come back. You are listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show. To create a successful retirement plan in today's economy, it takes a customized, solutions-based approach. At Aptus Wealth Management, founder Josh Pick calls it the Aptus Blueprint, and it's focused on managing risk instead of chasing returns. If you're working with another advisor or simply want a second opinion, put his team to work for you. To schedule a complimentary consultation to learn more about the Aptus Blueprint process, contact Josh at 614-364-7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. There is no cost or obligation, but space is limited. To start your plan, call 614-364-7300. 7300 or visit aptuswealth.com. Thanks for listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with Josh Pick. To schedule your complimentary customized planning session, give Josh a call at 614 364 7300. Welcome back to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. Josh, what are ways that you see people? fooling themselves into believing they're making wise financial decisions when they are in reality making mistakes? Well, sometimes I think uh, I heard a metaphor once that the rooster crows and the sun rises and the rooster thinks that maybe it made the sunrise, and that's not necessarily the case. And I think, you know, as the market continues to charge like it has been, sometimes we're lulled into a belief that we are the best investors in the history of the world. And, you know, we don't need professionals. We don't need to do a financial plan because everything we touch turns to gold. Well, that brings me back to, uh, and I've used this example throughout my entire career. There was a fund called the Fidelity Magellan Fund. It still exists, but at one point it was run by a guy named Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch was really a maverick of his time. He, he generated tremendous returns inside of the Fidelity, uh, Fidelity Magellan Fund. I believe over a 20-year period, he averaged north of 12% average annual. And they did a research study to see, great, so it's average 12% per year. How, what has the average investor done inside of that same fund? And contrary to what you might think, the average investor earned less than 4%. It was 3-point-something percent. And then they dug deeper and said, well, how the heck is that possible? If the fund returned 12, how are they earning three or four? Fees aren't that high. What, what's, the, what's the issue? And the issue was we need to admit that our, weezer, our knees are weaker than we think they are. When the market was going down, people would get out. And then when the market was going up, they'd get back in. And obviously, you can't time things perfectly. And what ultimately ended up happening was most people were buying 
towards the top and selling towards the bottom and really just generating much lower returns. Ironically, Diane, during that same time period, they would have been far better off earning almost twice as much if they just would have bought one-year CDs every year for the entire time period. And they would have had no losses ever and not had to play the game or ride the roller coaster at all. So I think, you know, we have to fight this kind of over-optimism that we're doing right now. And, you know, we also need to be realistic in that the marketing for financial products, you know, it's really pulling at our at our ego strings, if you want to say that. I mean, when you talk about things like fixed and guaranteed, we say it's simple or boring and stodgy or you know, it's an insurance product or it's the bond market. Fixed income doesn't sound nearly as exciting as this is the advanced equity play or this is the way the pros do it. Or, you know, if you're a power player, you go with this direction. You know, this is an actively managed tactical portfolio. I mean, I want to be involved in a tactical portfolio much more than I want to be involved in a fixed income ladder. That doesn't sound very exciting. So we fall, you know, victim to that, just like we do all their areas of marketing. But we cannot lose sight of the fact that this is a short time period, not a long one. And for most of us, uh, whether you're nearing retirement or your way out from retirement, you still have a really long time horizon for your money to either last or grow. And the only way that you can predictably do that is through uh, logical decision-making and not emotional decision-making. And I, I know we've talked about this a lot today, but it's something that I think we really, really, really need to focus on because I'm, quite frankly, uh, very concerned about what the other end of this looks like. And there will be another end. Diane, it's not going to go up forever. It will go up forever, but there will be a there will be a blip. And in that blip, my cause for concern is, yeah, we've gotten a lot of great returns, but when it pulls back, if it pulls back really hard, will people be able to weather that storm? Or will they essentially erode the lion's share of their returns, pull out, never get back in? Which is large in part what happened to a lot of people in 2009, happened to a lot of people in 0102. So be very cautious about use day trading, use time-tested strategies. Secondly, anytime there is very good times in the market, there will be a lot of storytellers. And I would say avoid these storytellers. And what, is, what I mean by a storyteller is, let me tell you about these advanced techniques that only rich people and the pros use and how unique this is. And usually they will reference, this is a very unknown line in the tax code that is only left to a very small percentage of people. Or this strategy was what hedge funds used that was unavailable to the average investor until today. Um, avoid those storytellers. They're selling you a flash in the pan. They're selling you emotion. That does not mean that none of them are true. But what it does mean is you have to tread very lightly. Uh, call our office. I'll help you sift through that. If it's a good idea, by all means, I'll recommend you go do it. But what I don't want to have happen is you invest in one of the uh, millions, uh, maybe not millions, but one of the many, many um, terrible investment strategies that end up being illiquid or, God forbid, a Ponzi scheme uh, with your hard-earned dollars. So let's, let's stick to what we know works over the long run, improve it, hone it as best we can, limit tax exposure, and make sure your income lasts for the rest of your life. To schedule your own planning session and to learn new strategies to manage risk, 
Call Josh at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. This is one of my favorite topics that we're going to talk about. Uh, Differences in major ways retirement can be financially different between men and women. And also, we'd like to talk about when when you're... couples planning for retirement. A lot of people don't have that conversation um, or have an idea what their partner is even thinking when it comes to retirement. They can be on two very different pages. Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, as a man, uh, I always have to tread lightly on talking about this yeah. topic, but, it, I'm but there are some I'm going to watch tap dance. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I'm sure. And I'm on that minefield tap dancing away, but I think there are some facts that we just have to address. And that is, you know, women, quite frankly, lag behind men in savings for retirement and COVID has made it worse. Uh, on average, I saw a study that in 2019, I think it was the Bank of America, uh, or maybe it was Merrill Lynch, but they did a, uh, a report that said that women have 70000 less than men when they reach retirement. But does, now, that, could come up with, does that have to do with go ahead. the wage difference? Uh, I mean, that's what we could really debate over, and I'm certainly not an expert in that field. It could be a wage difference. It could be you know, a whole myriad of things. Uh, I don't know the right answer, but what I do know is that it's a fact. What I do know is that in general, when I meet with couples, men and women do have some generalities, and I have to tread very lightly, of a difference of opinion in the way that they view money. Um, And you need to kind of understand what those are, but you also need to figure out a way to find common ground. You asked very specifically about how do you deal with couples and kind of get them on the same page. And I think, you know, part of my job is to find that common ground and get people on the same page. Because if we're not unified in the front of retirement, it can cause some very significant and potentially irreparable damages down the line. I mean, if, you're, if your budget is $50,000 a year, and we've made your plan designed around $50,000 a year for the rest of your life, and somebody goes off the rails and spends $100,000 a year, that can be an irreparable problem. So we need to make sure we're on the same page and that we're both disciplined and we're both uh, on the same front as far as the plan goes. Conversely, though, uh, oftentimes we'll see people who, you know, there's a miser in the family. You know, you can tell them they can spend $50,000 a year and they're going to figure out a way to get, you know, as much out of 20000 a year as they possibly can because there's no possible way that they want to spend money. So the, the planning process inherently will help justify the spender to a certain level of income and will also put at ease, at least hopefully, the if we want to call them the miser, that it's okay to spend the money. Because opinions are typically, you know, if I look at two people on pendulum opposites, one thinks there's no possible way they'll ever run out of money, so why are we even concerned about this? And the other one says, we're definitely going to run out of money. We need to be clamping down as tight as we possibly can. And the part of the, the, the planning process in meeting with me is trying to convince both of those people that there is a plan in the middle And we need to stick to it. And as long as we do, we'll be fine. And oftentimes I've found, Diane, with couples, um, you know, we all know uh, divorce, one of the biggest reasons for divorce is money. And that's because it's sometimes a very difficult topic to talk about, even though on every other front we're very unified. When it comes to money, we just can't seem to find some common ground. I've been doing this a long time. I've had a lot of conversations. Um, I can almost always find some common ground and come up with a logical answer because the numbers just simply don't lie. So I think while I know you're very big into, um, you know, women, you have your own podcast on, you know, what's it called? You go girl or something like that. (laughs) Do you guys talk about? (laughs) It's 
It's called Own Maybe It Girl, and I take it you're not Own subscribed it to it. It's Own It Girl, uh, that real estate show for women. But the real estate show, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's some huge differences that we need to we need to address, and they can be improved upon. But my job is to try and unify it. I think, too, that both partners have to take an interest in that. You can't just rely on the other partner to cover the weight of it. I think it's really important for uh, husbands or wives to both uh, be educated about it. Don't just say, oh, it's too complicated or I'll just let you handle it. Yeah, we can't put our heads in the sand. You know, the most powerful thing in the world is education. And I think that we all need to be educated. But you're right. There are certain people that just say, I don't want to be educated. And, and I try and convey to them, Diane, how terrifying that should be to them. If you don't know whether you're going to, what would make you succeed or fail, then you're, you're kind of bebopping through life just keeping your fingers crossed, um, which is a risky proposition to be in. You certainly don't want to reach the age of 82 and realize that you went broke and you have no idea why. When the market goes up or down, while you might not understand why, I want you to understand how it affects you. You know, oftentimes people ask me, well, you don't know why the market goes up or down. And oftentimes it's very emotional. and It's almost impossible to determine why it goes up and down in the short run. But in the long run, we can develop plans that are very logical and you will have the confidence to know that they'll stand the test of time. And regardless of what happens today or tomorrow, it's more about long-term trends. And that's through the education process. Again, let's get everybody unified, make sure they understand why we're doing what we're doing. And then, you know, as a side note, I would love to see that gap close between men and women just in, in general. Yeah, because what if something happens to one spouse and then the other spouse who's just been relying on the other to handle it all is faced with this huge thing much before the age of 82. We know that things can happen and it's it's really incredibly important for women to be as educated as possible about where their money is going in the relationship. Well, I've seen that firsthand. You know, my father passed away when I was rather young and my father was the, um, you know, really handled all the finances. And then my mother, who had never done it before, was left to kind of pick up that burden and try and figure it out. And I'm sure if you asked her today, would you have been better prepared if you didn't kind of stick your head in the sand while my father was alive? She would say, yes, and I wish I really would have done that. And as I was building my son a treehouse hanging off a ladder 12 feet in the air this weekend, I think there's a very good reason why men uh, often leave their wives <laughs> to deal with financial situations because we make some really bad choices. So I think it's important to have them all unified and have everybody on the same page and understand what direction they're headed. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Josh. Uh, besides the weekend, everyone, you can hear Josh with Bruce Hooley every Monday at 6 p.m. They call it Money Mondays, and you can hear it at 98.9 The Answer. This is the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Show with Josh Pick. You can catch us every weekend here at the same time, and you can give Josh a call if you have any questions or you would like to schedule an appointment, have Josh review your current plan. The number is 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300. Thanks for spending time with us today. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show with host Josh Pick. Josh helps guide his clients through retirement by managing risk instead of chasing returns. He calls it a blueprint, and you can get started at no cost or obligation. Give the team at Aptus Wealth a call today to schedule your consultation at 614-364-7300. That's 614-364-7300 or online at aptuswealth.com. That's A-P-T-U-S wealth.com. To learn strategies to manage risk in the new economy, join us again next weekend right here at 98.9 The Answer.
Any comments regarding safe and secure investments and guaranteed income streams refer only to fixed insurance products. They do not refer in any way to securities or investment advisory products. Fixed insurance and annuity product guarantees are subject to the claims-paying ability of the issuing company.